0: Blue Wire. Think about all Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliot. darts the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by
0: Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson.
1: Welcome into episode... Uh, sorry. <laughs> you should just
0: you should just we should just roll with it. This is welcome in right? episode uh 135 of Press Pass. I'm Joshua go. Perry alongside my co-host Kayla Anderson. This is a natural it. deal, you know. We we're not perfect on this show and we'll run with see?
1: it. See? There we go. We're going to keep this just so you guys can see <laughs> the actual takes that go on behind the scenes. Yeah. And so for your listening pleasure there this week. Go. We're going to keep that. We're going to be transparent with you.
0: Absolutely. It's it's That's... funny because you've been through it a million times. I've been through it myself when you can't even get the intro right. So you're four words yeah. into the intro and you're like, okay, we're going to start that over. And so you're counting <laughs> down again. And it's like, man, if I can't even get the intro right, I don't know how this is going to go.
1: Right? It, it's like you start off a show like that in any capacity, whether it be on TV or a podcast or a radio show. And it's like, how am I going to recover from that? Usually we do, but it's just not the way you want to start it.
0: No, you always want to start off on a high note. And sometimes yeah, you just got to make adjustments at that point.
1: Exactly. But again, we, we want the listeners to see it all. So behind the scenes, this is what happens. I'm excited, first of all, because... We have Joshua back because he has been on a journey, and we're going to talk about his Big Ten tour at the end of the podcast. I'm excited to hear the stories. He's probably going to fall asleep in the middle of the podcast because he's still probably trying to catch up on rest. Am I right?
0: I you hit the nail on the head you there. are going nonstop, <laughs> brother. It was everything. We're doing TV segments. I'm doing uh, digital media, creating content for the network. You know, we're burning Jeez. the candle at both ends because – you know how it is, and this is a TV thing, but when you're done taping the show, you like to unwind with a cocktail. Yeah. And so we hit up all the finest bars in each Big Ten <laughs> locale and had a great time.
1: I love it. Yeah, And we'll share some of your favorite things from the tour coming up, like I said, at the end of the podcast. But let's get into the big news of the week. And Kellyanne and I chatted about this briefly last week, but now... The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC officially came out and uh, came on camera this week and said, we are building an al- uh, alliance. And so the whole thing is um, the new Pac-12 commissioner, George, uh, I believe, is, is it Kilikoff?
0: Yeah. Klievkov,
1: yes. It's a interesting name to say here. Klievkov. George Klievkov was kind of the moderator, if you will. And he came out and said, quote, we believe that collaborating together, we are stronger in our commitment to addressing the broad issues and opportunities facing college athletics. Listen, Joshua, I, I saw a little bit of the whatever you want to call it announcement. <laughs> there weren't a lot of tangibles there. No. What it came across to me as was we are combining together because we are not going to let the SEC push us around. They want to show they have power too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was super vague and I think that was on purpose. I mean, the details on this have been slowly trickling out. And I think it's because it's, you know, I think the first of this type of arrangement and they want to make sure that they don't mess it up. And uh, obviously Kevin Warren had a little bit of a tough year last year and George Klievkov and Jim Phillips are both new. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, shoot, Kevin Warren's still pretty new. So they want to make sure that they're taking their time on this, which I fully understand. But you're right. I think it is to make sure that the SEC, um, knowing that they're probably going to have the superior on-field product, does not garner too much power from this. Um, But one of the things that I gleaned is there was a statement about how it wasn't a purely financial move. And one of the follow-up questions from a reporter was, if this isn't about money, what is it about? And yeah. Klievkov jumps in and says, no, we never said this isn't about money. Because mm-hmm. it is. But it's mm-hmm. not solely about money. And so sure. I think that was really interesting. Because what you're looking at now is um, a 12-team playoff where they're going to want to make sure that um, it's an equal balance because there's payouts yep. for that. I'm sure the TV partners that are partnered with the Big Ten and pac 12s and I'm talking about Fox in this situation, want to make sure that they can get in on some of the action. But that's the other thing, too, is media rights. And yeah. uh, I already talked about where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 lie with uh, their media rights. The ACC is in bed with ESPN, and I'm sure that's probably going to evolve over time. But they want to make sure that they're hitting this TV thing right. And the benefit mm-hmm. that they're going to have, is the ability to handpick games that are made for TV. And right. uh, we should not forget that college football at its core is a TV show. It's that yep. 100% of TV products, so they're going to have the advantage there. The other thing that really stands out to me, and I'll leave it on this, is this alliance is for football and men's and women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that leaves out, but also kind of leaves an opportunity for is non-revenue or Olympic sports, and the Big Ten does well in some of those. I know Ohio State has yeah. uh, many national titles in, in some of the non-revenue sports. The Pac-12 is known for its Olympic sports, um, sure. so when you start talking about things that matter teach of those conferences, water polo, uh, swimming, soccer, uh, volleyball, which the Big Ten has a big presence, wrestling, which the Big Ten has a big presence, Um, There are two ways to go about this is number one, you can create some strategic uh, matches there that would be very intriguing. Or number Mm -hmm. two, you have the opportunity to leave the non-revenue totally out, which keeps your costs down and allows you to maximize your bottom line when it comes to the next media rights deal and how much the the conferences and the teams are going to be making um, as they go through this. And so I think that might be one of the most interesting things there is how this is centered around football and basketball specifically. And it leaves the door open to do multiple things with the other sports.
1: Well, and I know it, when you look at this from afar, it it really does seem like one of those situations, like when you're in, I don't know, middle school or something, you got groups of friends and you're like, this group's a friend. You're not invited to to the specific group of friends. So then you got to get more friends to come into your group and you're not going to let them push you around. And obviously the college football playoff, um, the the new kind of 12-team format, for the most part, they, they none of them had much say in what was happening with mm-hmm. that and how it was going to be set up. And so this is another way for them to also be like, hey, if we don't like something the SEC is doing and saying when it comes to the setup, we're going to be able to have a say, right? Let's say the SEC randomly wants to up, you know, football scholarships to like 100, and the, and the ACC... Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are like, we don't want to do that, then they could stop them from doing that in this type of situation um, with this alliance that they're coming together with. So when you look at the – like, let's just say three years down the road, what do you look at in terms of a regular season schedule looking like for college football with these conferences?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I kind of went through the exercise in my head earlier, right? So if you look at the Big Ten – Um, They play nine conference games as it is, which obviously leaves for three out of conference in the regular season. Uh, The Big Ten is split into divisions, 14 teams, so seven teams per. So Mm -hmm. in the East, if you're Ohio State, you would play Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana. So that gives you six games right there that you would play in division. You could add in one or two crossovers. So that would get you to seven or eight. And then I say of the other four or five games, you would make a commitment that three of them would be Alliance games. So you would do two from the ACC, one from the PAC-12, one from uh, the ACC, two from the PAC-12, whatever you want to make it. But I would maximize that opportunity uh, because for a number of reasons is number one, the revenue. I, I think this makes for attractive TV and you can bring back, some of the games that folks would love to see. And we talked about this, but uh, with the big 10 and the Pac-12 specifically, you get to really lean into that Rose Bowl tradition of how things used to be. So why not an Ohio state versus a USC or a Michigan UCLA or a Wisconsin versus Stanford, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, get some of those games going that fans can really lean into the nostalgia aspect of. Sure. And then the other thing that you allow yourself to do is just as you kind of look at the way that the schedule develops fully, you give yourself more opportunities to have those headlining games that if you win it, it's a hallmark win. It's something you can really hang your hat on. If you lose it in a 12 team playoff type of scenario, it doesn't harm you as much. And I think that's the beauty of the way that this thing could be set up as we look toward 12 teams is say, Mm -hmm. if you're Penn State and you end up playing a USC, and you lose that game, and USC ends up being a Pac-12 champion, then that's its really not a knock, and everything's in front of you if you have two losses to, say, USC and Ohio State, and that's it for a 12-team setup. If you're Penn State, and you win that game, and your only loss is to Ohio State, let's say, what does that do for you? Are you now the fifth team um, in this setup? You get a home game in the first, uh, I guess, that first round of play. That's the kind of thing I'm looking at.
1: Well, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how it all comes together. And I know right now they're getting dogged on a lot just because there wasn't much substance to this actual announcement coming together, but you had to do it at some point. You had to come on camera with it. You had to come together in a way. I, I know there wasn't much substance behind it right now, but I'm sure that that's, uh, a lot of workings behind the scenes right now so, to, to come let, up with
0: something too. Let me jump in on this. Uh, the yeah. one thing that stood out to me that I thought was really unique is this is a handshake agreement. Sure. And that was really unique to hear because, you know, uh, Kevin Warren's background is legal. He was an attorney. Yeah. Um, he's got a law degree and we all know how contracts work. There's obviously a TV contracts, schools contract with coaches and uh, the, I guess all the schools in the conference are under an agreement or a contract of sorts to be in conferences. You can go down the line. And to create an alliance on a gentleman's agreement, I think, is a really unique way to go about it. Yeah. And this is the reason I say that is what happens if the Big Ten decides what's best for the ACC and the Pac-12 isn't necessarily best for the Big Ten. And there is no legal agreement stipulating how they're supposed to move then what happens? Does this alliance all of a sudden dissolve? Is there a remedy toward that situation? So it'll be curious in the future if there is a scenario such as that one, what the case would be and how everybody would move forward.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point that you make because, you know, contracts are what we're bound to in our industry and they they clearly, uh, unfortunately, mean something even though sometimes the other party gets kind screwed. of screwed <laughs> uh so it hopefully it works out where they can get this done together one more thing on this where in the heck is the big 12 and all this what happens
0: well jim phillips said you know we need a strong big 12 in this landscape of college athletics he's a, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. supporter apparently of the conference uh-huh i have no freaking clue what actually <laughs> happens to them it's hard right? to see a scenario like can they salvage themselves? If for example, they poach a UCF and a Cincinnati, does that do enough? Because college football is regional. Um, You know, I think the big 10 has more of a uh, national scope. And part of the reason of that is some of the history that exists, but also they're very large universities with huge alumni bases and People graduate and go everywhere and still support their school. Um, Mm -hmm. Alabama's one of those like national brands, but like most of these schools are very regional. And I think the big 12 now, especially since Texas and Oklahoma Mm -hmm. are gone, epitomizes the idea of regional ball. Um, Yeah. So you pull in a Cincinnati, which is going to have a a regional pull and a UCF is probably the same way. Um, Is that enough to move the needle and to keep them afloat? Who knows?
1: Yeah, to be t- determined, but I don't think we're crying too much. I'm not. I love it how just a year ago, we, were, we just, you know, we're like the dogs on, we just dog on the Big 12. Like well, Joshua and I, if you've listened to any of our podcasts. Historically, most of them,
0: that is what we do.
1: We do. And so now <laughs> it's just funny that it's slowly dissolving before us.
0: Well, I, I think <laughs> we probably both could have predicted that if, we if one were yeah. to fall. If it wasn't yeah. your conference, it was going to be the big one.
1: <laughs> I know, because we all know I dog on my conference more than anything. Yeah. I have the right to, though. Okay. Well, they
0: kept their brands around, so they're good.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kliakoff, thank goodness for him, at least right. for right now. It looks <laughs> like it's moving in the right direction. Uh, so I was really surprised with this news that came out this week. So Oregon and Oregon State, and I believe there is at least one other uh, – college right now that is going to require a proof of vaccination to get into the stadiums for the football season. And in no way at all did I think an SEC school, at least at this point, would be one of the next teams to put this mandate out. And by golly, I went on Twitter. Um, what is it? Tuesday morning. And I saw that LSU, yes, LSU. LSU, one of the most southern, you know, Baton Rouge down in the depths of the swamps. And look, I'm not trying to like categorize people, but it's just the facts like the right. vaccination rates down here in the south where I am are extremely low. Mm-hmm. So I can say this kind of stuff because I know firsthand that a lot of people are not vaccinated down here. And so, when I saw that LSU is going to require everyone attending Tiger Stadium who is 12 years of age or older to provide proof of vaccination or a COVID test that's negative, um, a P- that would be like a PCR test taken within the last 72 hours. I about fell out of my chair, Joshua.
0: Yeah. I couldn't believe it. You put that in the category of uh, did not have this on my list. <laughs> um, so here are my thoughts on this little deal is Mm -hmm. it's probably the right thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for a number of reasons, number one, I just don't think it's very wise to have mass gatherings um, with people who are unvaccinated. And we've seen even with people who are vaccinated, that there are breakthrough cases, but um, the data shows that they don't happen as often. And when they do, it's, you know, people aren't ending up in ICU beds and everything else, which is a wonderful thing. Yes. Um and this provides now an incentive for mm-hmm. folks who don't want to have the swab up their nose constantly to go yeah. see their favorite team to just go get the injection, which the Pfizer one is now FDA approved people. Um Correct.
1: thank goodness I got Pfizer. Woo.
0: Yeah, me too. Um and so I'm I'm here for it. I know a lot of people, I don't know if there's gonna be a lot of people, there are gonna be some people that throw a fit. And this is what I would say to those folks is we all have choices to make here and short of mandating a vaccine, which again, we can argue whether it's right or wrong. I don't think it's the worst idea ever. Um, You're going to have to make choices about what you want to do. And that's totally fine. What you cannot do is get pissed off when a venue says, we don't want your unvaccinated tail in here.
1: Yep.
0: Like, it is what it is. You can be mad about it. You can think that the vaccine doesn't work or you can think that they're trying to infringe upon your freedoms. One of the things not protected by the constitution uh, is your ability to go to a football stadium. So make your decision there. If, if you feel that strongly about it, then I know there's probably some sports bars nearby where you can go. I probably got a nice TV in your household where you can watch a game. Um, but these schools and these venues, and we're seeing it in the NFL, we're seeing it in college, we're seeing it on campuses. They're trying to be as responsible as possible, um, to keep things as normal as possible too. And I think that's the flip side of it. That's getting lost for a lot of people
1: is folks aren't
0: doing this for a power trip. They're doing this. So we don't get halfway through the thing and they have to make a decision that nobody can come in. And we saw what that was like last year. It's bad for business. It's bad for the game. Nobody liked it. Literally nobody liked it. Um, I saw something today and I'll get off my soapbox here, but the uh, president of Ohio state uh-huh. today just mandated that students coming back to campus are required to get a vaccine. Oh, and wow. It came because of the FDA approval of
1: okay. the Pfizer
0: vaccine, sure. but they said now that the FDA has approved it, you really don't yeah. have many more excuses outside of, of course, your health reasons why you couldn't get it or um, your religious reasons why you couldn't get it, which I totally respect. Uh, But they're like, if you're trying to make a personal decision right now, it's going to be a tough one because our, our campus is going to be as vaccinated as we can get it. And we're trying to keep people as safe as possible. And I think this is going to be a trend that we see because folks want to be back in person for learning. Folks want to watch the games up close. Folks want to be able to go and live life as normally as possible. This is a step toward it.
1: Well, I think this is a huge step for LSU. Look, I give them a lot of credit as a university because now they're kind of setting the stone in the SEC, and they're saying, look, we're putting this down. We're saying this is what we're doing. And really, what are you all's excuses around us? We're one of the the best programs in the SEC. We want to fill our stadiums. Maybe if we do this, people will be like well we're we're going to get vaccinated to go watch football. Are you people are crazy down here, Joshua. I feel like people are going to go get it just cuz they want to see LSU in person.
0: Like Probably. they want to see
1: their I'm telling you.
0: Probably the case. And if you that's what, what it takes is what it takes.
1: I know, that's what I'm saying. I feel I like mean, they they're onto something here.
0: I mean, there've been a million different ways to try to incentivize this damn thing. The first way was if you get it you could take your mask off and then you know, not enough people got it, and there were too many people taking their mask off They probably right. didn't get it, so yep. you had to roll that back a little bit. But now, how about if you want to watch the team that yep. you love, you're either going to get the shot or you can get that swab up your nose. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a little bit of a different direction. It's interesting. One of the things that I learned from being on the campuses in the Big Ten is mm-hmm. that uh, vaccinated players are not subjected to the same testing protocols as unvaccinated players within okay. the conference. And that was one of the main ways to incentivize players to get the vaccine is you don't have to get a swab up your nose every day. Um, and so again, it's like if, if people aren't just going to make the decision freely, then you're going to help them make the decision or they're going to stick to their laurels and say they don't want to, which is again, ultimately up to them. But you know, is it really worth it in the long run?
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to me that, um, people would want that swab up their nose every day. Like if you're a player, I, cause that's the same thing in the NFL. That's yes. what they're doing too.
0: Caleb, let I, me tell you. No,
1: thank you. No, I was thank coming you. back
0: from Cabo and we had to get the test to get back in. Oof. Um, and Oof. I was crying like a little bitch when I got that thing up my nose, my eyes were watering. I was gagging, coughing, what? sneezing, just miserable. Um, and guys that do that, like, every day. And I'm I'm a drama queen, so I'll go ahead and be the first one to say well, I
1: feel like more guys than you think are drama
0: queens. 100%. I know there were some dudes that were miserable last year having to do that.
1: Yes. So I, I just – I think it's going to be more so with the FDA approved of Pfizer. I think that we're going to see numbers really rising here right before football season. At least that is my hope. And one last thing I wanted to ask you on the topic of vaccination – I'm not going to lie, I've been really, really frustrated with my alma mater's head coach, Nick Rolovich, who has pretty much created a scene around Washington State in terms of uh, just not the kind of attention we want because Mm -hmm. he's pretty much not, he has not gotten the vaccination Mm -hmm. and he was clear about that. He didn't go to media days because of that. And then the governor of Washington said, Gov- all government workers and university workers, they have to have the vaccine to be able to work. And so he has, like, till a certain time. Um, and if he doesn't get it, like, he's gone. And he came out and kind of had been, he played, like, these games where he didn't come out fully and say, I'm going to get it. He just was like, I'll follow the mandate, which which could be if he doesn't decide to get it, he's going right. to be fired. But why, why, I mean, why these games? I just think it's an awful look on Washington State. Like, you're you're a leader for this team. Washington State's one of the least vaccinated college football teams. I just, right. I'm embarrassed.
0: So it's interesting. Um, I'll give you two things here. Is, I don't know if you saw Jerry Jones' comments about getting the vaccine. But yep. he said, you know, when, when it comes down to a decision like this, the I has to become a we. And you can't make a uh, a selfish personal decision when you are a part of a team organization, which Jerry Jones is not the beacon of morality, uh, but I'll give him credit for making that statement. Um, similarly, talking to some Big Ten coaches, and I won't say who, and most of the schools have done a really good job of vaccination. Like, I think the lowest vaccination rate we came across was about 90%, which they're they're the players are um, – they're understanding – whether they were kind of hostages in doing it or whether they were willful in doing it, that it's more about the team aspect and making sure they can have a successful season than how they personally feel about getting the shot. Um, But these coaches are all talking about how the guys who will not do it are basically doing it for selfish reasons. You know, they yeah. it's there there might be only a couple of guys on a team that would have a legitimate religious reason yes. why they would not do it. But yeah. most of the guys are trying to make a political statement or a social statement or whatever the case is um, as they decide not to do that. And I think that is detrimental to a team environment. And especially when it comes from a leader, a coach who says, I'm not gonna do it. Basically, what you're saying is your personal wants and needs come ahead of the organization. And when you sign up to play the game of football specifically, it's the greatest team sport known to man. You make decisions every day to do things that benefit somebody way more than it's going to benefit you. When I'm playing ball and my job is to leverage the ball and I got power coming toward me. And so I got a 325 pound guard. who's trying to rip my head off and I know I'm not making the tackle. When I set that edge that allows somebody else to come and make that tackle. I did my job. I get no glory. I get no credit. I'm, I get bumps and bruises. That's it. But I understand that me doing that is for the greater good of the team and players do that every single day. And there's not an issue. The other thing players do every day and it's never been an issue is they bang their heads up. I yeah. mean, we don't, we yeah. don't know yeah. about CTE because CTE. you can only study yeah. brains from deceased people. Yeah. And that's a, an occupational hazard that people choose to take on daily. But then you get the, well, I don't know what the vaccine's gonna do to me response. And it's just really annoying. And I know yeah. I'm soapboxing it today. It's been one of those episodes
1: no. for me, but- but I get like, it. And I'm glad I'm glad you are because and here's my one point I'm going to make on this and then we'll move on to your uh cocktails and the big 10 tour. But <laughs> <laughs> but here's my thing. I am a, a person who let's just say how how do I describe this? I take really good care of myself, right? And and mm-hmm. it is what it is. Like we can't predict what's going to happen to us in the future. But I don't put a lot of like unknown things in my body. I don't take a lot of prescription. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm a very natural person. And so do you think I wanted to put a vaccine in my body? No, I did not. Because I am a type of person who cares about what's going in my body. And if I don't know a lot about it, I'm not going to put it in there. But it's way bigger than me. It's it's about society as a whole. And if I didn't do my part, I don't care if I'm one person. It affects millions more so like that's my whole thing on it if i being yep. a person that i am and, and i can be selfish in a lot of ways with that kind of stuff but i'm not selfish in the mm-hmm. way that i want to make sure that everybody else is okay in these type of situations moving forward we got to move forward and for me there's no excuse
0: all right so, so i'm gonna put a ball on it with this as, <laughs> as football players a lot of us have spent time in hospitals visiting patients of different mm-hmm. illnesses Mm-hmm. And I personally spent time at the James and the Cancer Ward um, visiting people right. who were ill and, and, and needed to be cheered up. And these folks wear masks on their face. And when yeah. you walk into each room, you have to sanitize your hands. And, you know, you, you just it's they're immunocompromised. And yeah. every time I think about somebody who doesn't want to get a vaccination I think about those people and it's basically in my mind, a middle finger to them, to the folks who are already struggling, who are ill and and they can't do anything about it, that need uh, folks like us to protect them. And people are like, no, it's my personal choice. It's my liberty, which it is, but you're just selfish. That's what it comes down to. And I'm not gonna do that. I've seen enough people who just like need protection from Mm -hmm. everybody else that mm-hmm. I, like, who am I going to, like, I'm that important. Now I'm going to sit here and say yeah. that my personal belief about something, which every expert will tell you, it's totally safe. It's totally fine yep. to take is more important than making sure that I can protect other people around me. Yep. I wouldn't raise like that. I don't believe in exactly. that, exactly. but yeah, that's it.
1: There. That's, that's my whole thing too. So it's, it's bigger than you or I, you know, at this point and And you just, you got to, you got to think bigger picture people. And I'm not trying to sway people one way or the other, but it's all said and done. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You got to think bigger picture. Okay. Before we wrap things up, tell me about the tour. What was the best part of the tour? What was the best college experience you got for that short time? You know, when you were on campus.
0: So let's run with this. We went Nebraska, Illinois, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State, Indiana, uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, in that order. Woo. And we started off fine. We get a few days into the trip. We get some <laughs> issues with weather. Logistics become a deal. We ended up driving from Madison, Wisconsin to East Lansing, Michigan, Michigan. And then we ended up driving uh, from State College to New Brunswick, New Jersey, which wasn't necessarily a bad drive. Uh, We had another drive that we made from um, New Brunswick down to State College or College Park, Maryland, which, again, wasn't a terrible drive. And then we had another long haul. We went from uh, from Iowa City to Minneapolis, Minnesota in a car. And most of these were supposed to be flights, but we ended up having flight issues. So we're like, bump it. Let's get on the road. Um, <laughs> it was great, though. It was my first time being in a lot of these college towns, like, to actually see the town. It was my first time also seeing basically all of the facilities
1: in yeah. the big town.
0: Um, in terms of college experience, in terms of the college town, I was partial to Bloomington. I enjoyed that. Okay. I...
1: Indiana. Liked,
0: yes, I liked Lincoln, Nebraska, for the time okay. that I was there. Uh-huh. Madison, Wisconsin, is always going to be a favorite on that list.
1: Sure, that's a good one.
0: Um, State College had not very much to offer except for the creamery, the ice cream shop on campus. It was <laughs> just Chef's Kiss, mm, delicious. Oh, yum! And then um, New Brunswick, New Jersey, had some really good food. So that was that. Some highlights for you um
1: best best coaching experience
0: okay ah good question I'll give you three of them Michigan State with Mel Tucker intense
1: uh,
0: wasn't a long practice but they got a lot of work in uh and I watched him yell at everybody from players to assistant yes. coaches to managers Sweet. to even the video guy he didn't All like right. the way he, he didn't like the way the social media video came out the day before and he Spicy. was yelling at that guy it was awesome. I mean, he's, he's top to bottom trying to change the culture there. i
1: like, I see it.
0: Then Greg Schiano, one of my favorite guys up at Rutgers. Yes. Hell of a practice. He's on the microphone the whole time, um, <laughs> getting after guys, <laughs> calling them out by name, and just applying oh pressure. And if there's one thing about those two <laughs> programs specifically, is they're going to be tough. And I don't know how many games they're going to win, but I bet you they win at least two games more than they're supposed to based off of toughness alone which is awesome. I like it. Um, And then the last one, just from a coaching staff, I'll give you two more from a coaching staff standpoint is Indiana with Tom Allen. Yes. Obviously story from last year. He, he is a teacher. I've heard Uh, that. His coaches are teachers. And so while he is animated and loud, his emphasis is on teaching every single Mm -hmm. rep. And Mm -hmm. I think he accomplished that. The final one, is PJ Fleck, the guy that we Yes, love to I was joke waiting for about. this
1: one.
0: The guy we love to Did talk about. Did you wear your suit? I didn't. Um <laughs> but you know he's he's gonna come with the the swag and the fire attire this fall. Yeah. Um oh, PJ okay. is another one where he's loud he's animated you call him corny the players buy into it so I guess it's not corny. Um right and he's on the loudspeaker the whole time but he's another one where he makes sure that everything is a teaching moment. And some of these stabs, I think are, are different in the fact that there are about, I would say 50% of them that like to do most of the teaching and most of the correction and most of the coaching on the field where everything is instant feedback. Wow. Some other programs, and I got to paint a picture of this. So when the, the offense is going against the defense, there's two ways of doing it is you can have the coaches standing on the field and they can see everything right there and they can yell at the guy who was wrong and they can pat the guy on the back who was right, right there. The other way of doing it is all the coaches on the sidelines and they're wearing headsets and they signal in all the plays. And if they see something, they can shout it, but they're doing it from the sideline. Mm -hmm. And the second way requires a lot of teaching off of the tape. Um, The downfall of that is sometimes you don't get to all the tape. So sometimes you don't get to make the coaching point or you might get through all the tape, but you, the coaching point might not resonate as much because the player forgot what the rep felt like when they were doing it. Um, So it's really interesting to see those combinations. I'll leave on this one. Illinois and Maryland have the best facilities in the conference. That was my
1: last question to you. And I'm a little surprised.
0: What's surprising.
1: Um, that it's those two schools.
0: Okay. So if I threw out for Maryland that they have Under Armour money, does that surprise that,
1: you? No, that, that actually, I was going to come back with yep. why it wouldn't surprise
0: me. Yes. And so they, they obviously Mike Loxley there has done a, uh, a really good job in emphasizing how important it is to recruit. And, uh, he was under Nick Saban and obviously mm-hmm. recruiting is big on, uh, Nick's priority list. And so oh, yeah. that trickled down with Loxley and a part of recruiting now is facilities and, and, yeah. and not necessarily to get the players there, but to make the players who are on the roster feel comfortable. Yeah. And those are your best recruiters is the sure. guys on the roster. And I have 100%. they've got this beautiful, like three-story facility. The cafeteria looks like a professional kitchen and they've got anything you'd want to eat in there. The locker room has these like NASCAR chairs that recline and they have a footrest and what? they're plush. They're comfortable. They have a recording studio in there. They have wait, a game a room, a recording studio. Are, are, studio. Wait, are there like, people
1: that, that are like aspiring singers?
0: I don't know, but if you want a hot 16, somebody will give it to you. A recording studio. What? Yep. It's, I mean, I'd be then, in there every day. I don't know if, uh, if I'm supposed to say this, but they got a secret little trap door that they uh, they use <laughs> to seal the deal <laughs> in recruiting. It's pretty cool. Um, oh my God. And then all, like most of the facilities now that are newer, they have these, um, recovery rooms that have all these different things and players can go in there and nap and they can rest and they can recover and do all these cool little things. Um, Illinois has a bowling alley, which we got to experience. And they also have a mini golf course, which I got to personally experience with some of the players, which was super fun. Um, and their weight room is just beautiful. And, um, I mean, how, it, how are they? How
1: are they getting the latest and greatest?
0: That's it's a, that's a really good question. I don't know exactly what the setup was. I don't know what the push was, um, okay. Brett Bielema loves it, and he's a recruiter as well. He does. And obviously, oh, yeah. when he was at Wisconsin, he did a really good job of finding guys who were um, a little bit underdeveloped and developing them and making them into all-star players. And I'm sure he'll be able to do the same thing at Illinois. And he might actually be able to reach above and get um, a couple of ready-made guys who can roll. Yeah, which would be awesome. And then. In third place, I would say Northwestern with their facility. That was just – it was it was great.
1: I really did learn something with all this because I, I I would have maybe guessed Maryland because they underarm her money. Right. But I would not have probably guessed Northwestern and Illinois.
0: Okay, so if you had, had to wouldn't. just guess based off sure. of who you sure. think would have the stuff, yep. what would you say?
1: Well – Ohio state. If I didn't know Ohio state, like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've worked in Columbus. I know right. Ohio state's mm-hmm. facilities, but if I was a outsider looking in, I guarantee you most people are going to say Ohio state just yep. because it's Ohio state.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd probably I also
1: say Michigan, say Michigan. Right? And theirs
0: is really nice.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, those are, those are probably the two that come to mind yeah. right away. And Penn I state's got even, a
0: nice one yep. and they're, they're doing some expansion over there, but yep. Um. definitely, definitely those two are behind, uh, Maryland Illinois.
1: Well, that was, that was good information right there. That was, I felt, I was like feeling like I was going through the tour with you. Good. See, this is the stuff I live for. If that were my job, Joshua, I mean, I I'd just be soaking in every moment of it. I just got okay. super excited talking about that. So uh,
0: this <laughs> is like the, the part of highlight of my week. the job that you would love that I get to do. And that obviously us being a little bit on the younger side, we can, we can do this kind of stuff. But like when we went to uh, Northwestern, I was sitting up on the rooftop ter- uh, terrace with I the guys that. overlooking the lake and we're just shooting the breeze. Yes. And at Illinois, I'm mini golfing with the guys, which is cool. And at Penn State, I'm shooting a feature with the nutritionists there. And we're Heck going yeah. through like, they're just, they got a beautiful nutrition area in there. And it's just like, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think people want a little bit of a lens into because you don't get to see all the behind the
1: scenes. 120%. And that's why I'm so excited that you're able to do this kind of stuff because you're the type of personality who, who works well with that. Like you can connect with players right away, you know, kind of what people want to see behind the scenes. And so that's like a perfect role for you to be able to do something like this. And as exhausting as it was, I think it's cool that you're you did that. I followed all the stuff that you were able to put on social media. So I'm glad you were able to share it with us. That was cool.
0: Oh, it was definitely fun.
1: Well, guys, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. We're happy to have Joshua back. Uh, I cannot believe college football. What is it next week? We're getting started with some games.
0: We got Week Zero coming oh up my this week.
1: Gosh. This is nuts. Yep. Where is the time going? I, I just, it's as you get a year older, it goes quicker. I, I guess so.
0: You.
1: So yeah, we'll, so, we'll hold be on. Let me, into let me, all that. Yeah, let me dive
0: into this real quick. There's a real scientific mathematical thing about the time going faster as you get older. You want me to share? Oh God, what is it? Okay, so when you are five years old, yeah. one year represents 20% of your life when you are 20 years old one year represents five percent of your life so in comparison one year is a smaller percentage of your life than it was when you were younger and so from a perspective standpoint that's why the years seem to go faster when you're a kid you like Mm. you have no concept of how many years you how many falls you've been through when you get up there in age You've been through so many falls that they just keep rolling back around and you're just losing track of time because your perspective is as such. So there you go. There's a lesson for today.
1: <laughs> Joshua, the professor coming on to end the show with that. The
0: philosopher.
1: The philosopher. I love it. <laughs> Where can they go to follow you, my friend?
0: You can follow me at rip underscore jep on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to plug myself real quick. Evan Spencer and I had yes, a please. really cool project coming out. And oh, Evan was a guy who I played it. with at Ohio state I wide receiver Evan. was a captain, yep. um, heartbeat Great of the guy. offense at times, just a selfless dude. And it's called glory days, dreams, and nightmares. And it encompasses the 2014 national championship run. And it's a first person perspective. We're putting out 11 episodes in podcast form. Uh, you can catch it on a number of platforms coming out tomorrow. And then on the 31st, you'll be able to catch it on um, Apple Podcasts and on Google Pods. Um, But it's a really cool story. We give you a lens into the program from that year, from what we saw, how we saw it. And the name uh, Dreams and Nightmares comes from a Meek Mill song that we used to listen to in the locker room before games. Ah, Um, And I think that song really encapsulates the tenor of that year where we had some dreams, the ultimate dream obviously winning the national title but there were some nightmares in between loss to Virginia Tech, uh, the loss of Braxton Miller in training camp, JT Barrett getting injured, if you remember Costa Cara George who was one of our teammates that committed suicide and that was just a really rough one Um, so check it out as it releases tomorrow we've got clips all over the social media so you can look through my retweets Um, I also put them on my Instagram page but we're super excited about this one
1: and I, I can specifically and genuinely say uh, I'm excited about this because I was there covering this team. And I will tell you, it was a very special team. I still probably follow almost everybody that's, you know, either in the NFL right now or guys like you that are doing things in the media that were on that team. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, spectacular individuals. Um so it's, it's a cool thing. So I, I'm excited to, to listen to it. And, and definitely, if you guys have a chance, check that out as well. So you can follow me at, on social media at KaylaAndersonTV. Thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode next week. Take care.